When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. If Mary had a little lamb, you can bet she'd talk to her about it. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Good morning and thanks for joining me on a Thursday. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. It's the third and last day of the WPS Farm Show at the EAA Grounds in Oshkosh. The gates are open from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. today. And our ag meteorologist, Stu Muck, will be on shortly to share what you can expect in terms of weather at the show. I can tell you that we're in a winter weather advisory until around noon today, so be cautious and alert on the roads this morning. We've got a great lineup for you today. We'll hear from Ever Egg broker Matt Trannell at the bottom of the hour. Before that, we'll hear from the folks at Alcivia. But first, we've got information you need to know about calf management and nutrition coming up. Farmers understand return on investment. They understand the power and the value of the sun. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. It's a business decision. Everything that farmers do and don't do on their land and their with their property is money. <laughs> so one of the things that I heard one farmer say, it's a crop that I am yielding. <laughs> uh, instead of harvesting corn on this little section, he's harvesting sunlight to make electricity. You should reach out to us, and we will come out there for a very specialized, specific quote for you to look at your farm. We can put solar anywhere. We can put it on a barn. We can put it on the ground. We can put it on a hill. (laughs) So we can put it anywhere that makes sense to you and your farm and your situation. And then once we design that, even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Rural Mutual Insurance recently issued a special dividend to support their auto, home, farm, and business customers to help keep Wisconsin strong. This dividend will pay out over $5 million back to their policyholders. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more. We're here in March, and our weather seems to be going up and down, and we have the cold, we have the warm, and that sometimes praises havoc on raising calves. And this is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn. Aaron had the opportunity to talk to somebody about calf management and nutrition. Yeah, that's right, Jill. And there really is a lot of detail that goes into properly managing and caring for calves to make sure that dairy operations around the state are productive and profitable. Aaron Zimmerman here from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And I had the chance to talk with Dr. Robert James. He's Professor Emeritus in Dairy Science from Virginia Tech and was one of the presenters at the recent PDPW Business Conference. He, along with others, has done a lot of research into what makes raising calves successful. And he's found that even though there are some things that dairy producers are used to doing or have done for quite a long time, there may be some even better ways to do things that can benefit the calf long term. He looks at everything from nutrition to housing and anything else that affects that calf's well-being and health. Well, I think that the big thing that a lot of times we, we fail to realize is we're making an initial investment but we're not seeing a whole lot of that return for two years. And that, that's probably one of the hardest things we have uh, to get around. 
And so we need to, we know that investing in a better facility and better nutrition means a calf that's going to grow better and hopefully have less respiratory digestive disease so that when they get to be a cow, hopefully they're calving a little bit sooner at a younger age, but also making more milk. You know, and I, I think you've got some great examples of, you know, of farms that, that really show that in practice. Definitely. And, you know, talking to that nutrition point, one thing you bring up is, you know, there are some things that have obviously changed over time and and some things that maybe were common practice before that maybe don't work so well. Maybe, you know, manipulating feeding times, feeding amounts, those kind of things. Let's talk a little bit about that and some of the things you've experienced looking at those kind of things. Well, I know, and I used to raise some elite pedigree jerseys at home, and I always fed two quarts twice a day, you know, and that's just because that's what everybody did. My wife always used to give me a hard time and say I was underfeeding my calves. I said, ah, you know. And as I say, we did a research project where we developed the, the Jersey Blend milk replacer, and, and I got to look at those calves where we fed two quarts twice a day of a 2020 milk replacer, and then I looked at feeding whole milk or a milk replacer that tried to mimic whole milk and I looked at the growth and the body composition of these calves and I thought, wow, you know, we really missed the boat. And then you start thinking about normal biology and how we care for human babies, how beef cattle raise their, their calves and how horses raise their, their foals and say, why do we do what we do with, with dairy? Well, we do it because it was cheap and because it minimized the amount of labor that we had. And that's not the right deal. So, you know, we know we need to make that investment. But it's gonna pay some pretty big dividends. And, uh, you know, as I say, we take care of the babies and they become a better cow. Well, and you mentioned, you know, looking at the way we feed them, but also you mentioned, too, the quality of what we feed, you know, to calves really plays into how they grow and how they're going to perform later. Yeah, and I think the the message there is I want consistent, high quality. And if you make the decision that you want to feed whole milk, that's fine, Uh, because we know that it's high in protein, it's high in fat, uh, it's very digestible. The key point there is how do we maintain that quality from the time we milk that animal until the time it gets into the calf's mouth. And there's where the challenges arise on the farm is how do we do that successfully? And, and I think that's the, that's the challenge. And then I need facilities for you know, how am I going to move that, that milk from where I milk the cow to storage for where I have the calf and maintaining that quality. And, and that's a challenge on a lot of people. And, and to manage it, we need to be monitoring uh, bacteria counts. We need to be monitoring total solids on that milk. And so, you know, the option is feeding milk replacer, which a lot of people, some people don't like as much. And I think historically we've fed it, a, you know, the old good old 2020, or now we may feed a higher level of protein. We do know that optimum lean tissue growth happens at somewhere somewhere between 24 and 28% protein, if we're feeding lots of solids. And then you look at the fat, and the fat on some of these milk replacers will run anywhere from 10 to, well, to 25%, but a lot of them are lower in fat. Well, one of the reasons is that it's cheaper, which we're concerned about. The other one is that uh, we're worried about it delay in starter intake. And I think that, that our research documents that very well. And I think the point that I made is, is really 
trying to foster very early rumen development. One of our goals and my goals are to grow a good calf. Uh, we talked today about uh, about the different behavior of calves raised individually versus in groups. You know, and what I've seen is on the group housed calves, uh, they'll start eating starter earlier. They'll eat a whole lot more of it. And, and, uh, um, and then I can, you know, I, I want to feed a lot of milk early and then we'll start backing them off. But I think the key message, is I want to get a lot of liquid nutrition into that calf that first four weeks of life. When they're, I don't care what we're doing, they're not eating very much calf starter. For sure. Well, and I'm glad you brought up, you know, that point about, you said there's some cost things that are always a worry, you know, when it comes to milk replacer, because milk replacer is not cheap. And some people are worried about, well, let's get them on starter quicker, you know, and reduce our costs. But you say sometimes, honestly, in the end, you may end up, you know, not coming out ahead if you're trying to do that. Well, yeah, I think that, and let, let's talk a little bit about milk. And a lot of people don't see the cost of milk because it's not coming directly out of their pocket, okay? And, and I, I've seen that time and again where we may use waste milk and we know how much waste milk we have. Well, if we don't have enough, then we start pulling milk out of the tank and it doesn't show up as a cost. I'm not writing a check. You know, when the, when the pallet of milk replacer comes and I write the check for that, you go, oh my goodness. And, and my comment to dairies, okay, you need to write down all the milk that from the farm that you feed and that needs to go into your expenses. It's, it's a non-cash expense, but it's affecting your income. And I think the important, my important message is I want to get as much milk into a calf during the first month of life as I can. Now, I, I don't want to do that for eight weeks because that will bankrupt me, okay? And yes, I'll have huge, beautiful calves, but is that going to mean more money in my pocket when they freshen? And maybe not. Um, my experience with, you know, quite frankly, with working with the automatic calf feeders is I can get more milk into these calves um, if I have a good, strong, vigorous calf when I bring them on early in life and back them off a little bit in milk uh, or milk replacer. And this stimulates starter intake because now at 30 days of age, I've got a bigger, more vigorous calf. Hey, they're ready to go. And then when I back them off on that that milk they they're looking for the starter and and the other one is then i can wean them more gradually so that um when they're weaned we don't have this slump and we've we've heard all about the the negatives about feeding more milk oh when i wean them they lose all that weight when i wean them and i've just lost all that gain yeah that's true because we've gone from a high level of milk feeding to all of a sudden farms, because of simplicity, we'll feed them once a day. Oh my gosh, that's tragic to this calf. <clears throat> and they're not too happy. And, and so it takes them a week, two, three weeks to really get back up on their feet again. Whereas when you do a step down weaning program um, over, uh, you know, taking off a little bit a day, whether that be in a, in a traditional bottle or bucket feeding herd, or an automatic calf feeder, they make that transition and they don't have that, what we call the slump, um, when we put them in the weaning pen. The other one that, that's nice with the auto feeders or paired housing or group is that they're used to being around buddies. So that there's a social thing that happens there. And, and I, I think that there's a real win-win um, example there. 
For sure. Well, let's actually dig in a little bit more to that group housing, paired housing. You know, a lot of people think of when they have their calves, kind of that traditional single calf hutch and a whole bunch of them outside where we go and yeah. take care of the calves. But, you know, there are some advantages to this group housing, to this paired housing that really, you know, you found in some of the research or some of the experience you've had on these farms. Well, I think the reason that we do individually, and this comes down to our, our mindset as a veterinarian, which I greatly appreciate, that we want to have isolation of these calves and present, prevent disease from calf to calf. And that's very, very strong logic. And so when we put calves together, they, they get very concerned about, about the transfer of disease from calf to calf. And I can recognize that. And so um, for our, it, it just pushes, puts a higher burden or a higher emphasis on sanitation that we have of our feeding equipment that it's successful. Our auto feeders, I think, are doing a much better job of sanitation now. Uh, plus, they're in a, if they're in a group pen, uh, you know, we worry about them all sucking on the same nipple while they're drinking out of the same water trough, and, and you know, what's the difference there? I think what we've done, the counterbalance, is that we have an animal that's less stressed, psychologically, if you want to call it. And my, my plus side is I have better, more natural nutrition and so they kind of balance each other out. And, you know, I, I emphasize again, and I said it before, for group housing, paired housing, we must do an excellent job with maternity. We must do an excellent job with newborn care, that they're born in a clean, stress-free environment. We must get that colostrum in there. There are risks that we must address to be successful with group or paired housing. But boy, when we do that, look out because it's going to be a real big benefit For sure. so there's there's nothing that's that's absolute okay and i guess that's my one of my key messages well anything else that you'd like to add you know that people would you, you would like for people to kind of take away from the things that you said or think about as they're focusing on calf management at home you know and i come back to the emphasis um you know i want to i want a calf born in a very stress-free environment think about a human baby versus the calf, and biologically their needs are very similar. And so I want that calf dropped in a very clean environment. <clears throat> I want the, the feed that's provided to that calf be low bacteria count, be high quality and consistent, because their needs are really very similar. You know, and I think, oh, you know, the calves, they're a whole lot more rugged and not true. And so, uh, but that, that, to me, the first, to me, the first 30, minutes to an hour are real critical uh, to success uh, that we have with our calf program. And people say, oh, it takes too much labor to really put on that newborn calf. And I said, how much labor does it take to treat a sick calf, to administer antibiotics, to play catch up on that animal? And, and you never really do. So, um, and then the other one comes back to the quality of that diet. You know, I just, I want to treat this animal like it should be treated, and that's a newborn animal. Now, it's got to be sustainable. You know, I got to be able to pay for this, and it's got to be something that I think is, it really is acceptable for society as well. Definitely. Well, again, here with Dr. Robert James. He's a professor emeritus in dairy science at Virginia Tech, talking a lot about calf nutrition and calf management here at the PDPW Business Conference. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Aaron Zimmerman. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Wiseway Flooring's budget-friendly pricing beats the big box store every day. 
Wiseway stocks flooring by the pallet and the roll to get you better pricing. Our cash and carry discount saves you even more for a beautiful do-it-yourself floor. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our product pricing might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Now that you've had the chance to spend more time utilizing your kitchen, you've probably noticed a few things you want to improve upon. Remodeling your kitchen not only makes your home more livable, it'll also help increase the value of the entire home. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company specializing in kitchens, baths, and basements. Let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate, consultation, and suggestions. ActuateLLC.com Design. Create. Actuate. Are you fairly fit but would love a little edge up? Are you entering middle age with a slowing metabolism and weak core? MSculpt may be your answer. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie is proud to be one of the first clinics in the area to offer this new muscle building technology called MSculpt. It's approved for building and toning abs, arms, butt, thighs, and calves. MSculpt works. One 30-minute treatment can be equivalent to 20,000 crunches or 20,000 squats. It's safe, effective, and painless with virtually no downtime. Sound too good to be true? Visit Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie to learn more. Let your natural beauty shine through. View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Here we use a lot of F-words, food, fiber, and farming. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And now it's time to get into that weather forecast with Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, what do you have for us this morning? Our last day of March starts out with a winter weather advisory covering a lot of the area as far southwest as Iowa and Dane County and Sauk and Juneau and Adams County. In the west, the winter weather advisory expiring at 10 this morning. At noon, the further you head east, low pressure is pulled east of the state. Rain has been mixing with and changing over to snow. We're seeing that change over here in eastern Wisconsin right now. There may still be a little snow even in the west for a time today, but we're going to see the end of precipitation and temperatures that begin to moderate a bit for the weekend. I'll have those forecast details right after this. Steffes Group is conducting the Sheboygan County, Wisconsin Dairy and Farmland Auction near Sheboygan, Wisconsin. This timed online auction closes Tuesday, April 5th at 1 p.m., selling 252-plus acres to be sold in five tracks. Tract 1 has a modern dairy facility, a house, and other outbuildings. Tract 2 has a single-family home. The other three tracks feature farmland acreage. Go to steffesgroup.com right now for drone photos and complete descriptions for this auction near Sheboygan, closing Tuesday, April 5th. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. All right, Stu, what can we expect in terms of precipitation into the weekend? Well, aside from that winter weather advisory, cloudy, breezy today, rain and snow changing all to snow in the east already has some snow in the west, an inch or less, no big deal. Upper 30s today, northwest winds gust to 25. Clouds, maybe a little flurry or sprinkle activity early yet tonight, but it ends. Skies begin to clear from west to east. 
low 20s overnight. Northwest winds at 5 to 10. Sunny skies developing for Friday, sounding nice in the mid-40s with the west winds at 5. But late Friday night, early Saturday, some light rain or snow mixing, a little mix of rainfall later in the day Saturday. Partly sunny, mid and upper 40s at least on Saturday. And by Sunday, I think with some sunshine, we could see upper 40s or around 50. The weekend sounding a whole lot nicer than today, Stephanie. Well, the weather's all over the place, too, and it's not even April Fool's Day yet. Well, it's spring. That's how it works. <laughs> we'll catch you again tomorrow, Stu. Thanks for coming on this morning. You bet. Have a great day. You too. All right, we'll catch Stu again tomorrow. Until then, we've got our Dairy Brokers coming up next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The Young Farmer and Agriculturist Program is for our younger Farm Bureau members up to 35 years of age, and that is where a lot of our contests take place, which was something that I had the opportunity to do through the discussion meet, as well as achievement. It's a program you should really look into. WFBF.com. It opened up opportunities for me. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. These days, vehicles are powered by many different sources. Tom's Auto Center repairs them all. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. Gas, electric, diesel, and hybrids. Plus, we offer free pickup and delivery within a 10-mile radius. And a loaner car if you need one. Tom'sAutoCenter.com Tom's Auto Center Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Home every night, home every weekend, and more than average competitive pay. Driving for Advanced Concrete, you'll be in updated, comfortable, easy-to-maneuver trucks. We're a reputable family-owned business that you can rely on for long-term employment, surrounded by an inviting culture of friendship. CDL drivers, apply at advanced-concreteinc.com. The concrete producing company. Wouldn't it be nice to celebrate spring behind the wheel of a new car? Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison wants to make that happen for you with our Bloom and Zoom promotion. On Saturday evening, April 30th, we're giving away $55,000 in cash and prizes. Two winners will be chosen every half hour from 4 until 8.30 with each taking home a $1,000 cash prize. Then at 9... One grand prize winner will receive a $35,000 vehicle certificate. Celebrate spring at... Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. 
Looking for extra cash? Did you witness a crime? Or maybe you have information about ongoing criminal activity in the Madison area. We give cash for clues. Madison Area Crime Stoppers is a nonprofit organization that helps prevent and solve crimes in our community by working with Dane County residents, law enforcement agencies, and media partners. So how does it work? When you share information with Crime Stoppers, a confidential code will be generated to protect your identity. If your tip results in an arrest and filing of criminal charges or the apprehension of a fugitive, you'll receive a cash reward. Keep your tip ID and password so you can check the status of your tip. Once the arrest or apprehension is confirmed, arrangements will be made for you to collect your reward anonymously. Your confidentiality is important to us. Any individual who contacts Crime Stoppers will always remain anonymous. Call 608-266-6014 or go to p3tips.com. Madison Area Crime Stoppers, your safety is always our priority. Some jewelry stores try to dazzle you with gigantic showrooms and tons of inventory, but honestly, you don't want to pay for the jewelry store. You want to pay for your custom piece. William Thomas Custom Jewelry is proud of their quaint location and modest reputation for keeping their overhead low and their prices affordable. Allow William Thomas Custom Jewelry to help you create that one-of-a-kind piece. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have sent children into fits of rage. I am responsible for a child's speech impediment. I am the reason a child can't read. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over 1 million children. If your home was built before 1978, log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LEAD. Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. So, Zach, uh, what was it? The fourth spring practice was yesterday, correct? Correct. And you got to see a full, was it a full practice of Graham Mertz? Yeah, Yeah, we did. Yes, we did. Please, because you you know how I'm standing right now with Graham Mertz. I'm ready for a little something new. Yeah. I'm ready for something something new. Well, hopefully Graham Mertz gives you something new, because Graham Mertz is going to be the quarterback this year and probably next year. Yeah, I mean, I am Um, ready for something new, and that could be Graham Mertz giving me something new. Yeah, yeah. I will say, we got to see one practice, and we're going to make sweeping generalizations off that one practice. Well, duh. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he has shown exactly what he's shown Last few springs, make some great the throws. Last four springs. Well, was Grammers in uh, literally is not. There's there's literally not been four springs for him. No. Four. So I don't know. I don't know where we're going here. Four. Four, pra- four practices this no, spring. No, four springs. I know yeah. 2020 there was no spring, but I swear I saw tweets in 2020 that were exactly that. You, you sound like you've had a few more than two beers. Um, <laughs> Rody, can you well, confirm or deny? I there, haven't even had two. Some, there's some slurring of words in there. All right, well, maybe you're just tired. I don't know. Either way. Well, we do get know, up early. Uh, yeah, no, that's – no judge there. But, uh, <laughs> you're, uh, hey, I don't disagree, Nelson. There have been – that's exactly the problem here. It's the – there have been some great throws, and then there have also been some not-so-great throws and not-so-great not so decisions. And, again, it was one practice, so uh, it's that's unfortunate that we're going to have to make a, a judgment off that. But the, the exact same issues that have popped up not just in spring or in fall camp, but in games where it just, there's the lack of consistency. And there were some, some of that yesterday was probably uh, a little bit, probably on the wide receivers. There's some miscommunications and that's expected at this time of year. Uh, If it's still happening 
in fall camp or in, in the season. It's a little bit different, but no, the man can, the, the dude can make every single throw that you need to make as a, as a college quarterback. And um, he made some of those yesterday. And then there, there was probably ones that weren't, weren't ideal. Two questions then for you, Zach. First one, <laughs> do you think that that could be just because it's a young wide receiver crop after losing a lot of uh, top receivers last year? And two, for Graham Mertz, do you think we'd have this high of expectations for him if he didn't have the Illinois game? Of course not. No, so, I mean, the, the, expectation, the expectations for him coming in were off the charts, and then he went out and validated Exactly, that's what game. I meant, yeah. Yeah, went out, went out and validated it with one game. So we all expect it to be that, right, like all the time, and that's probably not realistic, but he needs to be better than he has been. He knows that. Paul Chris said as much at his pre-spring press conference, but – the fact, uh, what was the first question? The first question was this young wide receiver group. Yeah, I would do they think they could be I, off a little bit because yeah, they I, just haven't worked together? I think that's some of it. I also think that there's some newness to the playbook. Um, we heard about that, you know, with Bobby Ingram coming in, and they have so many new offensive uh, faces on the coaching staff. I mean, there's only one guy that's in the same position, that being Elvis Wood, the wide receivers coach, but there's so many new wide receivers. Uh, I thought him and Chimray DK were right on – uh, throughout practice. It felt like they were right on uh, cue, and that would make some sense because they played a bunch of uh, football together. Him and Skylar Bell and Marcus Allen, some of the other younger guys, probably not where they um, need to be just yet. But again, it's, it's the fourth practice of spring. It's March 30th. They don't play until September 3rd. Yeah, they got a ways to go. Uh, Zach Halpern, the sports director, joining us right now. So uh, obviously, you know, the joke is gone. Braylon Allen no longer 17, 18 years old. I saw him. You know, I wouldn't say trolling Saquon Barkley, but saying, oh, that's cute that you can clean. Well, I can clean more than you as a freshman, dude. But my question, I mean, Braylon Allen is a constant, right? Like we know I have, well, he's healthy, right? Because at the end of the year, he has like had a whole, you know how they designate injuries? I feel like Braylon Allen had a whole body injury. He's he's fine, right? General body soreness, I think, is probably what you could refer to. I thought that was to. for Ryan Braun. No, but this it worked It worked for Braylon Allen okay, at the end of last season, gotcha. too. Okay, yeah. So he's but good no, though, he's right? Good. He's good to go. Yeah, he's he's one of the few running backs that is completely healthy this this spring. So what is it? Uh, Isaac Garendo has an uh, what a foot injury. Uh, yep. Shipper Shipper is an undisclosed injury, if I remember yep. correctly. And then yep. the question that we've had for a while now is about Julius Davis because he kind of seemed like the odd. In fact, someone two days ago, Zach asked us why did Julius Davis get kicked off the team. They were confusing him with Loyal Crawford and Anton Robert, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So Julius Davis kind of been like the odd man out. What's he been looking like so far in this young, young spring practice here? Well, it's it's funny that Nelson talks about the four springs for Graham Mertz. This is Julius Davis's first spring. From her mouth to the field's ears, this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Welcome back on a Thursday morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Bob Bolsold joins us now with an update just in time for planting season. Spring planting. I hope you're ready to go. We've got some tips for you this morning on our Alcivia Co-op Talk program. Justin Travis is joining us, agronomy account manager with Alcivia out of the Kings Valley facility. And uh, Justin, I guess probably we should start in the machine shed making sure the equipment is ready for planting, right? What, what's the recommendation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now before the wheels start turning out in the field, we want to check that planter over, you know, get our seed meters tested and make sure that we're going to get the accuracy and the singulation that we want. 
out in the field, which is going to allow for our, you know, desired populations and such, and replace those wear parts on that planter that make us have the best the best stand possible when it is uh, come planting time there. And once we get the seed in the ground, of course, we want the planter working, right? So we get the populations we're looking for and evenness of the emergence of the crop. What are the recommendations there and the, the way to get the proper performance? We want our crop to all come up at about that same time. So if you take corn, for example, you know, if we get a a plant that is a leaf stage behind its neighboring plants, that plant is only going to yield about 80% of what its neighbors will. Or if it's two leaf stages behind, uh, you know, at best, it's probably only going to yield about 50% of its neighbors. So we all want to shoot for getting those plants out of the ground about that same time, you know, within 24 to 48 hours to maximize our yield potential. And, of course, uh, soil types, uh, till tillage practices, and, of course, that per- planter performing right will make sure we get there for that, right? Absolutely. I mean, we got to make sure that, you know, our seeding depth is correct, that we get good row closure at planting time. You know, we want to manage our residue accordingly, especially if we're planting into that corn stubble, a high high residue uh, type of scenario there to get our desired population. And, of course, we get the desired population and hopefully we've got evenness of emergence. How do we evaluate that, the, the strength of the varieties and the evenness of emergence? Because those variety selections are so important. That's really where it's nice, you know, if you've got some split planter or, you know, different varieties on the farm or a plot even, um, that you can get out and take your stand counts to compare those varieties against one another and even look at the different, uh, you know, tillage type systems, you know, look at how those plants or how those varieties performed in a no-till or minimum till setting uh, versus, you know, conventional tillage um, and how strong of emergence we're seeing. And hopefully we're going to have a, a good spring here so we can plant and get good emergence. But as we go into the season, we check all the things we want to check, like the population and the evenness of the emergence. Then we got to really do some troubleshooting. When do we start looking for things like insect pressures and dealing with those if they appear as soon as that seed in the seed is in the ground um we we have to think about you know some of our insect and disease pressure those seedling diseases so you know as we're out taking those stand counts it's a good time you know to look for you know what the overall condition of that plant is you know say for example in corn we see some plants that are flopped over on the ground you know, we may have a cutworm issue that we need to address and get an insecticide application out there as soon as possible. But, you know, just looking at that overall plant condition, you know, sometimes we can identify, you know, is there a nutrition shortage? Are those seedling diseases having an effect on those uh, plants? Or was there other, you know, some other type of injury, whether it's from Mother Nature or uh, herbicide application or something that's, that's holding those plants back? A lot of times, too, if we, we see some issues, um, you know, it's time to get the shovel out and start digging, and we can identify, you know, what is causing a lot of those issues, you know, whether it is some low-ground insect or disease pressure or maybe even some compaction at planting that's giving us some trouble. 
Justin Travis, our guest, agronomy account manager with Alcivia Cooperative, headquartered at the Kings Valley facility. And uh, Justin, you say we. I would assume if farmers go out and walk their fields and find some of these problems, it helps to call an agronomist like yourself from Alcivia to come out and help diagnose these problems and the remedy, right? Exactly, yep. Never hurts to get a second set of eyes on something and and see, you know, if there's some corrective action that needs to be taken. As an agronomist, are you getting excited or getting anxious for spring planting? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> always brings promise of green fields and warmer weather. It's, it always gets a guy ready for spring. It certainly does, and hopefully it's not too far away. So, again, with your cropping program, be prepared, as Justin tells us. Justin Travis, agronomy account manager with Alcivia on our Alcivia Co-op Talk program. For more information, call your local Alcivia facility or go to alcivia.com. And with our Alcivia Co-op Talk program this morning, I'm Bob Bosold. Soil health. It's the top priority at Midwestern BioAg. It's the first thing they consider with every product at every step. It's designed to build healthy, biodiverse soils to support healthy soil, resilient crops, and higher yields. Midwestern BioAg offers biological fertilizers to optimize yields during the growing season, all the while building healthy soil for the future. To learn what a Midwestern BioAg program can do for you, visit MidwesternBioAg.com. Midwestern BioAg. Better farming through better soil. The Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association is hosting its 65th annual performance selected bull sale. This is the longest running test in the nation. Be there Saturday, April 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. in person at UW-Platteville or go online at dvauction.com. View the sale catalog, performance and pedigree information, and see video of the bulls at wisconsinbeef.com or call 608-527-5747 for more information. I've had the opportunity to be involved in several programs in the Wisconsin Farm Bureau, one of which was the Farm Bureau Institute. It's a great leadership program to help develop leadership skills, whether it's social media skills or the opportunity to speak to legislators and learn different ways and tools you can use to help get your message across. WFBF.com. They've really helped my leadership develop. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Wisconsin winters are a polarizing experience. You either love them or you want to leave them. Be sure to enter the Rural Mutual Insurance Love It or Leave It sweepstakes, where each week you can win prizes by voting for the things you love and dread about winter. Visit us at RuralMutual.com to vote. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. And now we'll take a look at our commodity markets on a Thursday morning. From Chicago, cash corn is up a quarter of a cent at 738 and a quarter. December new crop corn is up three and a half cents at 659 and a half. Cash beans are down two and three quarters at 1661 and a quarter. November new crop soybeans are trading at 1468. That's down two and a quarter cents. Cash wheat is up a penny at 1028 and a quarter. July new crop wheat is up a penny and a half at 1024 and a half. Moving on to our Class 3 milk contracts, April milk is up $0.09 cents at $23.55 a hundredweight. May milk is up $0.40 cents at $23.90 a hundredweight. On the close yesterday, barrel cheese was down $0.03 cents at $2.16. The 40-pound black cheese was up a penny at 2 18 
and AA butter was down a half a cent at 271 and a quarter. We've got Everegg broker Matt Trannell coming up next with what we can expect in the dairy markets after today's USDA reports. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When you're shopping around for a pre-owned vehicle, you know what you want. A shiny, fun-to-drive ride that won't let you down. But how do you know if it's reliable? A Wisconsin State inspection is 60 points, which means checking 60 things. Most dealerships follow that playbook. Bergstrom Automotive isn't exactly what you would call most dealerships. Bergstrom performs a 172-point inspection on all pre-owned vehicles before they're even chosen to be on the lot. 172. That's 112 more areas where the vehicle needs an exam. With that much attention, you know they're looking at parts and pieces you probably didn't even know exist. Do the math. A 60-point inspection or 172. And all to make sure you're safe, confident, and happy with your pre-owned purchase. Choose from over 1,500 elaborately inspected pre-owned vehicles at Bergstrom Automotive. Sometimes people think we're the bathroom remodeling place that just covers up your old stuff. It's how Rebath got its start 40 years ago. But just as technology has improved since dial phones, we've grown to become a total bathroom remodeling company. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it easy to love your bath. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Because we know your barn smells like money. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And we're back with our friends from Everag. Matt Trannell is joining us. He's one of the brokers with Everag. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. So you wanted to start off just, uh, Matt, giving us an update on what's going on with the Russia-Ukraine situation. Is that still a player in our dairy markets? Yeah, it, it absolutely is a player in our dairy markets. And it's kind of from a, uh, I guess, more or less uh, a little bit of an indirect uh, route. Uh, ultimately, it mainly is in relation to their uh, grain situation. Uh, at the current moment and in, in years past, uh, Ukraine has ultimately, uh, they've produced about 14% or they've been uh, a player in 14% of the world grain exports. Uh, and... At the present time and moment, uh, last week the president of Ukraine, or maybe it was two weeks ago, mentioned that he would prefer that most of the crops that are grown this particular year uh, are planted with the intent of feeding the population versus maybe making their ways into the export market. And so when that comment was made, uh, it certainly supported the U.S. grain price pushing values north of 750 on the spot price and north of 6 bucks on new crop. 
because it looked like U.S. corn and uh, grains in general would be a, a bigger, there'd be a bigger demand for it. And on the back end of that, uh, dairy prices did rally to all-time highs uh, as cost productions and the ability to do business was uh, made a little bit tougher uh, on U.S. dairy dairy producers. So uh, we did make our way up to uh, $25 milk for class three. That's the first time in history that we've been able to get to 25 bucks. Uh, class four was sitting there at 25 bucks as well. Class four is is still sitting there. Uh, class three broke a little bit, but ultimately um, that was mainly due to some of the comments by by President Zelensky of Ukraine. Now, yesterday and last week on Friday, there were some hints that some higher level leadership between Ukraine and Russia were going to come together and try to. Uh, discuss some type of resolution to the war. Uh, yesterday was the first day. Monday was the first day, I should say, that uh, uh, that uh, th- those uh, countries came together on a higher level and started to negotiate uh, what we would uh, consider uh, maybe a, a step in the right direction to ending the conflict. Uh, nothing's really been said beyond that, and Russia did por- put forth a news headline that said that they were going to remove some troops and military operations from uh, the capital city of Kiev, and uh, that was supposed to be uh, like a good faith move on their part to show that they were serious about uh, the negotiations. And uh, yesterday, off of that news, we saw grains fall significantly. Uh, Corn was down about 20, wheat was down about 50, soybean meal was off about $10 a ton, and on the backside of that, dairy prices fell too, likely because margins were looking a little bit better for dairy uh, producers, and some dairies wanted to lock into milk at still some really attractive prices. Uh, With that being said, uh, there's conflicting reports out there whether uh, uh, Russia is ultimately going to pull out uh, some of their troops, or maybe they just focus their attention on other parts of Ukraine to be determined, but the markets are very much so taking a lot of... uh, putting a lot of attention on that on that conflict and, and what's kind of uh, playing out there. And thank goodness, Matt, we have you and your colleagues at Everag to help guide us through this historic situation. We're also talking during a unique time in the year. It's the end of the month. It's the end of the quarter. And we're going to see some planting intentions and quarterly stocks come out later today. What will you be watching for in those reports? Yeah, so ultimately today we're going to be looking at the prospective plantings report, uh, number one. Uh, That's going to be kind of primary focus. Uh, Everybody's attention is on what the United States is going to plant, number one, and what kind of weather we are going to have for the growing season as well, because we're not starting in an ideal situation when you look at the U.S. drought monitor. Uh, It's it's pretty red on the drought monitor right now, Uh, but... As far as uh, the prospective plantings report, uh, in regards to analyst guesses, so uh, most commodity groups put forth a guess as far as where they think uh, uh, acres are going to come in at. Right now, the estimate sits at 92 million acres for corn. Uh, we have a range of 90 million to 93 and a half. That'll likely be determined ultimately with with this fertilizer ongoing fertilizer discussion that uh, that keeps playing out. Will we have fertilizer for those that uh, might not have booked ahead, or uh, will the uh, infrastructure allow us to get some late 
uh, fertilizer into uh, certain channels. Uh, soybeans, right now, analyst guess is right around nine, or right around 89 million. Uh, the average guess is uh, at 89, with the range at 86 to 92. Uh, plenty of guesses out there that feel that soybeans could actually be bumped higher, just because they are a, uh, a lower cost uh, planted crop, and uh, well, you don't need as much to, to grow them either, as far as uh, uh, anything like that. But um, that's the number one that we're going to be looking at, because I think most in this market feel that uh, a U.S. Uh, a big U.S. crop is essentially necessary to get us back to a spot where uh, maybe we can pressure some of these grain prices down to more normal levels, uh, despite having to likely um, change our expectations as far as what a normal price might be for a couple of years. The second one is the uh, quarterly stocks report that comes out at the, uh, the end of the quarter. Uh, right now, uh, we're looking at a uh, quarterly stocks estimate of about 7.88 billion on corn and 1.89 billion on uh, soybeans. Both would be higher than where we were uh, last March. Uh, so there's a little bit of a buffer there. There's a little bit of a play there uh, that would be able to handle some extra uh, export interest or uh, some, some buyer interest from other countries uh, if necessary. But um, those are the two reports that we'll be watching uh, yesterday. Um, Tuesday, Monday, a uh, couple of things that we've kind of been seeing on the on the markets as well as far as commodities. Um, a lot of times you'll see some pressure or some opposite trade compared to what we had seen in, in prior sessions or prior months. Uh, a lot of uh, managed money uh, portfolios are rebalanced by uh, firms that uh, want to have some commodity exposure. And so there's a lot of position squaring ahead of these reports just for the fact that uh, they aren't sure what's going to come out. USDA can throw out a zinger at different times. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we've seen lately, and maybe we've seen a little bit of uh, profit-taking ahead of these reports. And uh, I guess the other thing that's kind of pressuring commodities a little bit is uh, the uh, continued uh, spread of, of uh, Omicron over in China. It's kind of affecting some of their... Uh, demand on on commodities across the board. Well, thank you, Matt, for explaining what we can expect later today in terms of market volatility. Matt, what's the best way for folks with questions to get a hold of you or your colleagues at Everag? Yeah, so just uh, call our uh, main company line, which is uh, 608-960-4771. And Everag is easy enough to get to online. It's EV. ER.ag, and that'll lead you to all the brokers and their contact information as well. Matt Trannell along with us this week. We'll talk to Everag again next Thursday. Hey, thanks for taking along with me this morning.